If people only knew us by our social media accounts, what would they learn? On social media, no one ever has a bad day. Family vacations go perfectly. Our days are spent relaxing and playing. Everyone gets along all the time. But what about the space between the joy and fun? What do our families look like when we're not in front of the camera? The times when we're most vulnerable? No more carefully staged moments. No more filters. Let's talk about the real stories behind the crafted pictures we let the world see. Good to see you guys. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now uh, from an off-site campus or maybe you're on the internet or one of the venues here at uh, Long Point Road. We're glad uh, that you're here. Um, as a lot of you know, before I get into message, let me just tell you what's going on. Uh, a lot of you know that we are, um, uh, a part of what we do is plant churches. We believe that every community on the planet needs multiple life-giving churches. How many of you would agree with that? Would you agree with that? Yeah. And uh, so you guys, every time you give here, a little portion of what you give, whether you know it or not, goes toward planning life-giving churches. We started an organization about 15 years ago to do that. And um, this week we're planting a new church, uh, Five Stones Church in Franklin, Tennessee. How many of you know that in Franklin, Tennessee, Nashville, they need Jesus. They, they, they need Jesus. And uh, Sean and Rhiannon Clark are going to be our pastors, and he was on staff with me for a number of years at ARC training uh, church planting leaders, and so if you know anybody in that area, we've got a brand new church going in, and this is what's exciting. Uh, we are close to 600 church plants in the last 15 years. Now, that's just unprecedented, and uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, if you've watched the Olympics, sometimes uh, when they run, they, they win or swim or whatever, and uh, sometimes they break a world record, and sometimes, what, what's the girl that just blew everybody away in swimming? They'll break that world record by a whole bunch. They just blow it away. Well, here's what we're going to do. We are going to blow through 600 churches on September the 18th. We are planting 40 brand new life-giving churches in one weekend on September the 18th. <clears throat> and uh, one of them is Waterfall Church in Miami, Rob Braniff, who was on staff here. We're, we're just really excited about that. And so uh, uh, I just want to tell you about it. Be praying for them if you know people in, you know, whenever we put them up in various areas or you see them on social media. Speaking of art churches, uh, how have you been watching what's going on in Baton Rouge with the floods? Anybody seen that? Uh, a lot of you know that uh, uh, we have lots of friends in the Baton Rouge area. In fact, there's over a dozen art churches. There are, there are about a dozen art churches that are flooded out. They can't have church this weekend. Um, some of my friends, pastors, uh, not only is the church flooded, but their homes are flooded, and, uh, and they're out serving and helping, and, and uh, it's just, uh, what, what did I read this week? 40,000 boat rescues? They, they went in and rescued people. If you can imagine that. We had floods here, but for whatever reason, it wasn't as widespread and devastating uh, as this one is. It's raining again this weekend, and... Um, it's not just 40,000 people with damaged homes. Those are ones they had to rescue out of their homes. Damaged homes are in the hundreds of thousands. Uh, we can't be insurance, and we don't want to be. But I thought, you know, there are churches that are not going to have church this week. They're not going to receive offerings. Their staffs will not receive income 
and small churches, and I thought, you know, we could help with that. We could help with that. So here's what I want to do. I want you to get on board. I'm excited. When I'm excited about something, I want everybody to be excited about it. Anybody know anybody like that? So here's what I want you to do. <clears throat> How do you have a smartphone? Do you have a smartphone? Take it out. Take it out. I had an idea this week, passed it by our, our uh, finance team. Uh, what I want to do is I want to, I want to take an offering. And I would like everybody to participate, but I'm going to tell you something. You're never going to hear this in church. Never. I don't want anybody to give more than $20, okay? Nobody more than $20. Why? Because I want us all to be involved in it. I want everybody to be involved in it. If you can give $1, if you can give $5, if you can give $10, but at the most, $20 uh, per person. Now, Debbie told me last night she gave $20, and I did too, and so you can do more than that per family. But if you give more than that, we'll come after you. We, we don't want you giving more than $20. And then, and then uh, uh, one of our guys said, we're, 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 for goodness sake, we need resources to build our facility. And I have always felt like anytime you're trying to save money or you're, 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 you're trying to do what's right, oftentimes God tests you by saying it's all mine and I want you to be generous. And if you're generous, I'll be generous to you. So we're going to be generous as a church. We have our own needs. But I can't imagine young, small church planners with families um, suffering through this and us not being able to help when we can, okay? So here's what I want to do. Um, text to give. It's an awesome thing. If you've never done it before, let's do it. Is there a number on the screen? I think there is. You text 20 flood. I'm going to do that right now. I already gave some, but I'm going to give some more. But it'll all add up to the right number because I don't want to be out of compliance here and give too much. 20 flood to that number. Go ahead and do it. And... Um, and if you don't get it done right now, if you don't have text to give set up, it takes just a minute to do it, put a credit card, do it during the response time. And I would love to see, I just got a note that said, thank you for your gift. Uh, I, I, I would love to see us, and we'll tell you, we'll let you know through social media, what have you this week, how much we were able to bless some people with. We'll tell you how we bless. Every dollar that comes in is going to go toward helping families that are struggling right now in the floods. Does that make sense? You guys on board? Is it okay? How about giving the Lord a hand? Let's do that. All right. Okay, so we're in a series, and we're calling it InstaFam. And what we discovered last week is that, is that we're all cracked just a little bit. Uh, there's no such thing as a perfect picture. We filter them. We face, face, not Facebook them. We do that, but we Photoshop. That's it, if we know how to do that. To make our pictures of who we're projecting look really, really good. And actually inside, there are no perfect families. And we learned that. We learned even in Jesus' earthly family. They're very, very broken, and yet God takes our, fan, our, our brokenness and builds something beautiful out of it. Now, this week, uh, I'm, I, I want to talk specifically uh, to married couples. If you're single here, I am so glad you're here, and I think you'll get something out of this. I really do. I also know that you know married people. You may have married kids. Parents are married, and I think it'll be instructive. And also, uh, the statistics say that uh, chances are very good that you may be married uh, at some point in your life. But next week and the week after, we'll deal more with issues that apply uh, broadly. I do it about every three or four years. I want to specifically talk to married couples, and I want to spark conversation. The goal of this message is just to give you some things. Your homework is going to be to take good notes and talk about. And I'll give you some questions and things to talk about, and, and it'll be a success if we do that. I want to talk about pictures of a strong marriage. Now, we all have different ideas about what that would look like. I heard about three guys that had some very different ideas. 
First guy married a woman from Ohio, Buckeye. And he told her that she was to do the dishes and house cleaning. Well, it took a couple of days, but on the third day, he came home and saw a clean house and dishes washed and put away. Second guy married a woman from Michigan and uh, Wolverine, and, and he gave her these orders, that she was to do all the cleaning and dishes, but also that she needed to have a good meal ready for him every day, at least one, one time a day. First day, he didn't see any results. Next day, he saw it was better. By the third day, he saw his house was clean and dishes were done, and there was a huge dinner on the table. Third guy married a girl from the South, Charleston. He ordered her to keep the house clean, dishes washed, lawn mowed, laundry done, hot meals on the table for every meal because southern women are just, you know, they're, they're like that. He said the first day he really didn't see anything. Second day he didn't see anything, but by the third day some of the swelling had gone down and he could see a little out of his left eye and his arm was healed up enough that he could fix himself a sandwich and load the dishwasher. He still has some difficulty when he urinates. But anyway, that's just... So... So, we all have different pictures, don't we? All right. So, there, the Bible has some specific pictures of what a married couple should look like. In fact, uh, Song of Solomon, uh, in verse uh, 8, it talks about a couple that's desperately in love. He says, please, uh, or place me like a seal over your heart, or like a seal on your arm. In other words, a, a tattoo. Get, get a tat with my name on it and picture and all that. It says, for love is as strong as death. I mean, think about that. Some of us would probably rephrase that verse. Love is as strong as death, and marriage kind of feels like it. That's what we want to talk about today. We want to refresh a little bit. He says, and its jealousy is as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can rivers drown it. If a man tries to buy love with everything he owns. Look at this. This is so beautiful. It's poetry. If a man tried to buy love with everything he owned, his offer would be utterly despised. Just describing what the picture could look like. For some of us, we might say that, you know, there was a, there was a time when I just couldn't wait to be married. But I just don't feel those things now. Well, hopefully we'll challenge you with some stuff. Or if your marriage is on pretty good grounds, hopefully we'll rally you just a little bit. Uh, or it may just be some review for uh, a, a lot of us. But I want to talk to you about how to build a strong marriage. Three ideas. Here's the first one. Study your spouse. Study your spouse. I don't know about you, but growing up in school, I know school started this week. I shouldn't say this, although uh, hopefully most of us are adults here today and we're out of school. But I hated studying. Anybody else, did you hate studying? I mean, there were people that loved studying. I didn't like them. Uh, it just wasn't me. And, and yet, I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and I studied the Broncos. <laughs> I could tell you Floyd Little's running statistics, and that'll tell you how old I am. I, I just knew. I, I, I was fascinated by sports. Now, why, why was school hard, but sports stuff was easy for me. One word. One word. You know what it is? Passion. Passion. You study what you're passionate about. The more you love something, the more you want to learn about it. And the more you learn, the more you love it. It's just this cycle that keeps going. And uh, in, in Song of Solomon especially, um, it's about two people so passionate about each other 
that they can't learn enough. In fact, the descriptions are almost embarrassing. In verse 12, it says, you are like a private garden, my treasure, my bride. You're like a spring that no one else can drink from, a fountain of my own studied, studied. I, I love you, he says. Now, I enjoy studying Debbie. She is so different than me. I mean, we are as opposite as opposite can be. And so she fascinates me. There are, there are things about her personality that I just can't conceive because it's so different for me. Now, at first, that wasn't good because I tried to fix her to be excellent like me. Okay, I wanted her, <clears throat> I'm okay. She needs to be okay like me. And that, uh, we were saying that day, we just celebrated 40 years. Okay, just, just a few weeks ago. Yeah, 40 years. What did we do? Nothing big. That's just who we are. And uh, we, we went up to Tennessee, you know, somewhere and uh, stayed in a little, little, uh, little ranch up there for a couple of days. But we were talking about it, and some friends said, 40 years, it's been great 40 years. And Debbie said, about 36 of them, maybe 35, have been great. Four or five of them were awful, and they were. And they weren't consecutive. They were like one or two here, and then, you know, two or three here. Just anybody else relate to that? We, you know, I tried to fix her until I, I, I realized that God actually made her the way she is. And she has flaws like I do, but she's got strengths that are different than mine that I saw as flaws. I started studying the DIS test, personality tests, you know. Um, uh, uh, she's a, 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 an SC with absolutely no DI, if you know that, what that is, steady, cautious. I don't have steady, cautious in my vocabulary. It's just not there. I don't, I don't have, so, so we're the opposite. When we, when we learn that, hey, maybe God put that together on purpose, that we make a great team when we celebrate each other's strengths. Uh, somebody said, <clears throat> in order for romance to deepen, before you touch her, uh, touch her body, you must touch her heart and her mind. First uh, Peter 3 and verse 7 says it like this. Live with your wife, according to knowledge. That word knowledge in some translations says understanding. He says, men, study your wives. Live with them according to understanding. Try to understand. Study them, study them, study them. In the words of the great theologian Brian Adams, have you ever really, really loved a woman? Listen to this. To really love a woman, to understand her, you've got to know what's deep inside. Hear every thought, see every dream, and give her wings when she wants to fly. And when you find yourself lying helpless in her arms, you know that you, I want to sing this, <clears throat> that you really love a woman. The only thing that ruins it for me, I see pictures of Johnny Depp as uh, Don Juan, whatever, DeMarco, which is where the song came from. It's a whole other thing. I love music. Facebook doesn't like me playing music, whatever, that's another deal. So, so, so what do you study? What do you study? You study personality. You know, learn the personality stuff. You can study a lot. These days with Google, you can Google it and figure out what your, how your spouse, you know, reacts in certain situations. There's a great book I would recommend. In fact, series of books by Gary Chapman called Love Language. Anybody read those? The Love Language books. And what he says in studying is that there are five love languages. Guys, listen up. I'm going to give you the cliff notes on this. Five love languages. He said, if you're married, all right, your wife... And it applies to men too, but I'm going to talk to men about their, their wives. And I'll talk to women here in just a minute. Some women feel loved when they're touched. Okay? That's, that, you know, you know we, we, want to, we, we want to love somebody the way we receive love. If you're, 
If your love language is words of affirmation, then you just talk to them all the time and you think that you're filling up their love tank and if their love language is something different than yours, they may be sitting next to you right now not feeling loved and you think you're loving them. And, and for some women, it's, it's touch. You know, a wife sees an older couple in a restaurant and he's holding her hands, the older couple is, and looking into her eyes and whispering. And so she turns to her husband and she says, why don't you do that? Guy looks over and says, I don't even know that woman. <laughs> Sometimes we're clueless like that. <clears throat> if you're married to somebody like this, <clears throat> they want to sit close to you. They want to cuddle. They want to touch. And you go, Ugh. You know, for, for some people who, who don't have that love language, they just don't want to touch anybody. They don't want to be touched, and they don't want to touch. I've got good news for you, if that's your situation. <clears throat> there are over 6 billion people in the world. And you can be your old bad self to all 6 billion of them but one. Okay? There's only one person that you have a responsibility to fill their love tank. It's not about you. It's about them. Last night I was preaching and a lady came up to me after church and she said, my husband reached over and grabbed my hand during the message. I said, is that unusual? She said, it has never happened. I said, how did that make you feel? She said, oh, it was wonderful. And if you don't have a love language of touch, you don't know what that means. But it's so easy and it's free. Touch them. Touch them. It's your responsibility, guys, to keep their love tank full. Uh, some women feel loved when you spend time with them. Sometimes I go shopping with Debbie. Not because I like shopping, because I love my wife. In fact, it's kind of creepy for me, to be honest with you. Um, because the trying on room, you know where they go try on clothes for women, is usually right by the lingerie shop. And there I am in the lingerie shop with no women around, feeling like a perv, to be honest with you. But I go, no, my wife's in there. I'm just kind of here, you know, that type of thing. Spend time. Some women feel loved when you do something for them. Debbie is one of these. Uh, this week, I changed a light bulb. That's right. It was a difficult light bulb to get to, and I'm not gifted in that way. And uh, I mean, she felt all warm and fuzzy when I did, when I did it. You know, it's like, wow, ooh, that's cool. And uh, I changed an air filter. So I had a great week this week. I mean, it was <laughs> unbelievable. Okay. Her love tank was full. Some women feel loved when you buy them stuff. You just buy them stuff. Little, little things, big things, cars, houses, that type thing. <laughs> Rule of thumb, if she's wearing a lot of bling, she's probably in this category. Okay, so you can just... Kind of figure that out. Some women feel loved when you talk to them. A lot of guys don't understand that. She's talking, but it's not about anything. What am I supposed to do? Just listen. Occasionally grunt. Let her know that you're there. Wow, that's incredible. This, those types of things, because she wants you to talk. Just say nice things. If you just say nice things, she opens up. It fills her love tank. You know, we're so different. It's like two kinds of Christmas tree lights. Um... One, remember the old Christmas tree lights where you'd plug in one single circuit and if you had one light bulb that was gone, none of the circuit worked? Remember that? These days you buy a whole tree with the lights in it and you know you can have 20 of them that don't work and the rest of them will. Guys, she's the first kind. Okay, it, 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 there can be one wrong word shuts down the entire circuit until it's repaired. So you need to understand that. Talk, share your feelings about your day. Ask her opinion. Make eye contact occasionally. Put the iPad down. 
Uh, don't turn on Sports Center immediately after you make love. Things like that will help in those situations. And then, guys, some women like it all. They like all of that. And if that's your wife, good luck. I call that high maintenance, okay? <laughs> and then it changes at various times. You know, well, I thought you were this. Well, I'm more of this now. So you got to study, study, study your wife. Love her like she needs it. Ephesians 5 and verse 33 says, so again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So two questions to ask your wife. And this is homework for you guys. Write it down. I want you at some point this week, it'd be great if it was today, in a quiet place, ask her, what have I said and done that made you feel loved? What have I said and done that made you feel loved? And the, not, the second one is, what have I said and done that made you feel most unloved? And then be ready for it. Okay, because she's been storing up for 20 years for some of you <laughs> waiting for that question right there. And don't get defensive. Just go, I want this to be better. Okay, I want this to be better. Okay, so uh, wives need to study their husbands too because it says his responsibility is to love you. Your responsibility is to respect him. I love the book Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egeridge. Anybody read that? We had them here for a marriage conference. It's an awesome, awesome book. Pick it up. Uh, if you get a chance. And I'll piggyback on some of his ideas, and I'll, I'll give you some even better ideas than he had, okay? So, how does a wife respect her husband? Number one, she recognizes that he was created to work. It's created to work. I mean, you, you study, uh, you know, um, from early times, men were hunter-gatherers. That's what they did. They worked. These days, most of us, we all work. But there is, there is something about him that um, he gets a lot of his, his, his uh, um, self-worth, esteem, and all that out of his job. He really does. Now, we, we, we tell guys, you know, uh, get it from Jesus, and we all do that. But there's something about when you work that there's, we're wired up that way. And he's going to get banged around at work. He's going to get criticized at work. Ladies, it needs not to be from you. You need to be his biggest cheerleader. You need to be his biggest cheerleader. I would even say, as it pertains to work, even when he's wrong. You know, even when you blow it, you need a friend. How many of you know that? You don't, need, you don't need your spouse to be, you know, to litigate why you're wrong. Let somebody else do that. You be a cheerleader. You be a cheerleader. You be an encourager. Recognize that he's created to work. Secondly, let him protect and provide. Let him protect and provide. Here's a big one here, and I hear this from a lot of, a lot of men. Don't second guess every decision that he makes, okay? Just, just don't do it. You may have intuition, learn to, to use that in a good way, but pick your, pick your times. Don't be second guessing, you know, just every decision that he makes. It makes him feel less of a man than, uh, than, than what he was created to be. Uh, third thing, let him fix it occasionally. Don't complain that he always tries to fix it that he's always trying to fix you. Now, if I was talking just to men, I would say, just let her talk. In fact, I'm learning this with Debbie. She'll go, she'll come home from work with something or something stored up and she'll talk, 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 talk. And she's quiet, but she talks. And, um, and so a lot of times I'll go, uh, let, let me define this real quickly. Do you want me just to listen or do you want me to fix this? Because I like fixing stuff like, I don't like fixing light bulbs but I love fixing situations, and I, I don't want to hear my wife, 
you know, in a situation that I know I could fix. And so I would tell men, just listen and listen and listen. But I'm going to tell women here just for a minute, you need to let him fix it sometimes. Because recognize that problem solving is the male version of empathy, okay? Let him fix some things now and again. And then praise him for it. Don't tell him, you're always trying to fix it. You're always trying to fix me. No, 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 no. We'll let God deal with that. But let him fix some things occasionally. Uh, number four, snuggle next to him on the couch and watch NASCAR this afternoon. <laughs> or if it's the hunting channel, or the fishing channel, or the fix-it channel, or whatever it is, get into his world. Sometimes he doesn't need to talk. He just needs you to sit right here and enjoy what he's enjoying. Guys build relationships by just hanging out. I mean, I have friends that I go fishing with. I call them my low-maintenance friends. And uh, we love going fishing together. And so I'll come back after three hours, four hours of fishing. And Debbie will say, what did you guys talk about? <laughs> guys, what's the answer? Nothing. Nothing. And she'll go, you're hiding something. I know you are. <laughs> no! Listen, occasionally we'll talk about stuff. But we can have a great day. And the deepest conversation is, what are they biting today? And don't even say that very often. Just keep it. Because guys build relationships that way. So you need to understand that. Occasionally he needs to listen to you. But occasionally you just need to be quiet and sit next to him. Just, just be there. Uh, um, uh, don't try to feminize him. Respect his time with the guys. He'll want to spend more time with you. Tell him you like him. Go hang out with him doing what he likes doing. I'll use Debbie again. Uh, I like to play golf every once in a while. She wouldn't know golf. She has no clue what golf is about. But oftentimes, maybe once a month on a Sunday afternoon, after late in the afternoon, she'll go golfing with me just to drive the cart and laugh at me. Okay, laugh at my stuff. I thought it was supposed to be up here, and you're always over here. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. But it makes me feel awesome because she's involved in what I like doing. He'd love to show you around his world. Okay, let me give you one more. Ladies, don't let the devil in your bedroom. Don't let the devil in your bedroom. See, here's, here's what I'm saying here. The devil will do everything he can to bring people together sexually before marriage and everything he can to keep them apart sexually after marriage. Would you agree with that? He will do everything. You see, because I believe, the Bible says, that, that uh, sex is a wonderful gift to be shared in the context of marriage. And so the devil will, will do everything he can to get you to be involved sexually before marriage, and then everything he can to keep you apart after marriage. So you need to kick the devil out of your bedroom. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 5 says this, do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time. Could you circle limited time? Could you put an arrow to limited time? Could you put some stars up there around limited time? It's important. So what? You can give yourself more completely to prayer. Afterwards, you should come together again. What's that? Sexually. Why? So that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. It's a spiritual issue. You need to be praying or having sex, okay? I mean, that's just kind of the options there. <laughs> it's not quite that cut and dried, but it's pretty close. Uh, sex is not a man's number one need, but it is the way to get to his number one need, and that's respect. 
You may think that it has nothing to do with it. I guarantee you he's feeling disrespected. If, if, if the, the sexual relationship is not happening as it, as it needs to. And it's unfair. And I, I realize I'm painting with a broad brush. This could be flipped in your situation. But just generally, this is kind of how it happens. It's unfair to say, you got to have eyes only for me and be unresponsive sexually. When he said, I do, he said, you are the only one that, um, that's going to fulfill that particular need. And uh, so don't give the devil an opportunity. Husbands come under satanic attack when they're deprived of sexual release. And, and you can't get what you need by depriving your partner of what they need. Say, so, well, if he'd be more communi- communicative, whatever the word is to me, <laughs> you try to get up and talk to 10,000, 15,000 people about sex and see how you do. <laughs> I was honestly going to roll tape from last night. And the guys called me at 11 o'clock last night and said, you are not, you get up and you teach this stuff. So anyway, um, you, you know, you say, well, if he'd be more than I'd be. No, 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 that's not how it works. That's not how it works. You have a responsibility. He has a responsibility. You do your part and, and trust that he will or, or you know, pray that the Holy Spirit just makes him miserable as the day is long. So he does his part. That's how, it, that's how it works. Uh, don't try to make him up, open up to you verbally by depriving him sexually. In fact, respond to him more often and occasionally actually initiate sex. That is his dream. His dream. And you can fulfill his dream and it doesn't cost you a dime. So I challenge that's your homework this week. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it, okay? Don't be talking to me about this stuff. I'm just telling you what to do. Okay, all right, that's your homework. So our differences <laughs> in, in the book, uh, Love and Respect, I love this illustration. Uh, they, they say our differences are illustrated when we get out of the shower. When you get out of the shower, ladies, he's all eyes, okay? When he gets out, you're saying, stand on the bath mat, you're getting the floor wet, you know, all that kind of stuff, so <laughs> understand that. So are you studying your, your spouse? What's your action plan? Your homework is to talk about this section. I want you to go through each one of these, and talk about them and, and say the same things to your husband. Am I making you feel loved? And how am I not making you feel? Or respected? And how am I not making you feel respected? And then book Chip Judd for counseling. All right, here we go. Uh, I've got two more and I've got less than four minutes. I'm just going to shoot through them. Second one is pursue your spouse. Pursue your spouse. You remember the earliest games males and females play? Chase. You go, you go on a school playground and they're chasing each other and all that. When does that end? When does that end? Song of Solomon uh, has an illustration. I don't have time to read it. The Roman writer uh, Pliny the Younger once said, an object in possession seldom retains the same uh, charm that it had in pursuit. In other words, when you abandon the chase, you may lose interest in your spouse. You can tell somebody has abandoned the chase when they don't have anything to talk about at dinner. They, they just don't have anything. When they used to rush home from work to be excited to be with each other, and it's just not that way anymore. Uh, when they, they were excited about discovery and ways that they could serve one another, and it's just not happening anymore. Practical ways to ignite the spark is date night. Schedule a date night. You say, well, we can't afford that. We got, you know, we're like the Walters. We have, what do they have now? Half a dozen, 12 kids, something like that? No, here's what you do. 
you get in a small group, and then you co-op babysitting. And you go, you know what? This week, we'll babysit your kids. You guys have a date night. And you, you do things like that. We've done that all of our lives. Uh, text or phone call during the day. Notes, cards, letters, gifts. Getaways, surprises, study, pursue your spouse. Third thing you do is protect your spouse. Protect your spouse. Men were asked to protect our wives, which means to keep her from harm. Protect her physically. Physically. Be willing to lay down your life for your spouse. She, she needs to know that. Single women, uh, one word for you. If, if your uh, boyfriend pressures you for sex, he's not a man that will lay down his life for you. It's all about him. It's all about him. If he pressures you for sex, it's, it's all about him. That's just kind of one way. And you think if you get married, it'll be different. It won't. It'll always all, be all about him. Okay? So protect, protect, protect. Protect her emotionally and spiritually. She should feel safe around you. She shouldn't wonder when you're going to blow up. She shouldn't see you hitting the wall. She should never see you laying a hand on her. Never, ever, 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 ever. You need to protect her. Your job is to protect her in every way. Women protect his manhood, respecting him. If he senses your respect, he'll have confidence to do anything. Respect him with your words. Sometimes I've, I've heard women say things to their husbands that I go, you know, if that was a man saying that to him, you'd have a fight right now, physical fight. Respect him with your words. And, and guys, if she ever says things that you think I, I should fight her for, again, you never lay a hand on her. Ever, 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 ever. Your job is to respect her or, or to love her and protect her. Respect him uh, with your words about him. Do your girlfriends know that you respect him? How would they describe your marriage if all they had to go on was what you tell them? So love and respect. So I'm going to end my message with a video clip of my favorite movie of all times. Get your Kleenex out. Take a look at this. The best four-minute description of marriage without any words. The reality is, we don't want to think about this, but that one of us will probably stand over the casket of the other someday. And in that moment, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want the regret that I could have loved her more. You could have respected him more. I should have done more. I wish I'd said this. I wish I hadn't said that. Well, you know, we all make mistakes. That's why there's forgiveness, and I didn't even talk about that today. That's probably the biggest skill you need in marriage. And there's forgiveness in Jesus. <clears throat> we don't have to live a life of regret. But I want to do my best. Now with the grandkids, most of you know that we have 14 of them. I realize that how I love Debbie will influence future generations. Because it's not about me and it's not about her. It's about the generations that are inside of us. The reality for you and I is that tomorrow may never come. There's no guarantee that we'll live one moment beyond the one that we're living right now. In the words of one of my favorite theologians, Garth Brooks. <laughs> what if tomorrow never comes? Will she know how much I loved her? Let's do our best. Let's, let's not settle 
for status quo. Let's not settle for what everybody else has. Let's give it our best when it comes to marriage. When we come to the end of the line, we say, you know what, I, I gave it my best every day. It begins one day at a time. I gave it my best. You don't listen to any other me message during the week if you don't, or during the year if you don't work at the homework. Do it on this one. Let's give each other the very best. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your kingdom. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the examples that you give for us. And God, today uh, we know that we're flawed. We're all broken. We all have issues. But we all receive forgiveness from you and from one another. And God, today we rededicate ourselves to being the very best spouse that our spouse could have to doing the very best, to speaking the very best, to loving the very best, to respecting the very best. That we'll be examples to our kids and grandkids and their kids throughout generations. That as we stand before you, we'll be able to hear you say, you know, you did it good. You did well. Wasn't perfect, but you did your best. So Father, we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.